heaven again. So we're in the final week of our series, Haunted House. And in this whole series, we've been looking at different fears that, that we as individuals or even we as a church might, might come across. And, and unfortunately, fear can make a church look like a haunted house. And, and what I mean by that haunted house is we become so inward focused that, that we sit inside, we're in the dark, we got all the windows and the doors shuttered, and, and we live in that fear of noises or whatever may jump out of the corner. And what it ends up making us is an ineffective Christian and an ineffective part of the body of Christ because we're haunted by this fear and we we just become this inward-focused church instead of an outward-focused sanctuary. And we're called to be outward-focused. It's not about us. It's about being who Jesus calls us to be. And that's one of the things we're going to be doing today is we're going to actually look at the fear of giving up control. Fear of giving up control. Now, if you're like me, you're sitting here saying, I got no fear of giving up control because I'm not going to give up control. You know, that, that's what most of us think is, well, I don't have a fear of giving it up because I'm not going to give it up. But, but I think this fear can go in two different directions. Um, you know, I think this fear is not so much about giving up control of something. Sometimes it's more about, well, they're not going to do it the way I do it. Well, if I give up control, then they're going to do it different. And it's not the way that I like it or the way that we've always done it. And that fear comes right along with it. And I think the other side of it is more of a, they're not going to do it the way I want it done. And I understand that fear because I've run into that fear of giving up control. Because if I give it up, are they going to do it the same way that I've done it? Well, you know, I've done it this same way for years, so I hope they do it the same way. And then you want to not give it up and give up control. But I think it's something that we as Christians have to do. I think we need to sometimes swallow that pride and actually let God be the one who's in, in control of everything instead of us and, and just have him take over. And I think that's one of the things we're going to look at today. And as we look at today's scripture, I think you're going to understand just what it is to give up control. To actually give up control of your own life and the things in your life to actually be a follower of Jesus and do what God calls you to do. Because remember, trusting Jesus as Lord must include following his example by dying to ourselves. We're called to die to ourselves, and, and, and which also means this, when we give up control over our lives and trust God to lead us, we will eliminate fear and embrace abundant life. But you got to give it up to get that abundant life. And so if you have a Bible, we're going to be in Mark chapter 8. If you don't have a Bible with you, don't worry, there's one in the back of the pew. And as always, it will be up here on the screen also. And if you joined us for church online, hey, let's give it up for those who joined us for church online. Hey, we, we appreciate you joining us for church online. You know, maybe you couldn't make it into the house this week. Hey, sometimes church online's a good thing. It's all right to sit there in your pajamas and, and watch. But I want to let you know, don't let just watching church online keep you from being, being connected to a local body of Christ. 
because through this connection and local body of Christ, we're able to work on our relationship with Jesus and with others. And remember, for those of you in church online, I know some of you, there's no way you can connect with us here because you don't live in the state. You know, we've got people from Puerto Rico. We've got people from up in Maryland and Canada that join us for church online. So they could never connect with us real and in person. But I want to encourage you, get connected to the local body of Christ. Get connected where you can work on those relationships with Jesus and others and continue to do what God called you to do. Amen? Amen. So with that, Mark chapter 8, verses 34 through 38. And it says this, Calling the crowd along with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me and the gospel will save it. For what does it benefit someone to gain the whole world and yet lose his life? What can anyone give in exchange for his life? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory to his Father with the holy angels. So, Heavenly Father, as we dig into your word today, Lord, I just ask that you open up our hearts to receive what it is you want us to receive. And, Lord, through this time that you will speak to us and show us where we may not be denying you, where we may, not be, or where we may be denying you and not denying ourselves, Lord, help us to pick up our cross and to follow you. And Lord, may my words be your words, and may, may your name be glorified and make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so, so Jesus' statements in this passage indicate there's really no such thing as a casual relationship. There's no casual relationship when it comes to your relationship with Jesus. It, to follow Christ is either an all-in or nothing. Now think about that. You're either all-in as a follower of Jesus, or you're not in at all. There's no halfway. There can't be a halfway in between. And understand that when you become a Christian, it's not just adding another hobby into your life. Y'all know what I mean by adding a hobby into your life, right? Whether it's, you know, hey, maybe you like to play golf, so it's this hobby that you go out and do, and, and it's kind of added, added to your regular lifestyle. You know, you've got work and family time, and then you kind of add something else to it. Well, adding Jesus to your life isn't like adding a hobby. It isn't just something you add and put on your calendar on, hey, Saturday morning I'm going to go play 18 rounds of golf. Or, hey, Saturday morning I'm going to go spend time with Jesus. It's an either all-in or nothing kind of relationship. You know, it, it's the difference between on, you know, being here on a Sunday and when you leave here, the first thing you do is you put on your game jersey because you're going to go watch football. Or maybe Saturday with college, you got your jersey on and you got all the people over your house and you're a fan of Alabama or you're a fan of Georgia and your whole life revolves around, hey, I'm doing this. Well, we don't just put on a Jesus jersey on the weekends. You can't just do it on weekends. It has to be an all-in or nothing kind of experience. And I think that's what Jesus is telling us in here. And as we look at this, I think what we're going to do is, you know, we can't just allow 
think following him is just going to replace something in our life. It's something that you've got to work at each day. It's something you've got to work every minute of every day if you're going to follow him without denying him. And I think this passage gives us as Christians some distinct answers to two questions. And the first question is this. What must I or what must we do to follow Jesus? And he actually answers it in verse 34. He says, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So according to Jesus, there's two things we got to do. First, we got to deny ourselves. You mean I got to deny myself? I like myself. I like who I am. I like what I do. I like what I think about it. I, I really like me. But I got to deny myself to follow Jesus? Well, that's what he's saying. We need to deny ourselves. We need to put away our own selfish desires in order to follow him and his purposes. But see, unfortunately, we live in this world that believes in all this self-gratification. You think about it, in the world today, everything is about me, myself, and I. Everyone wants that self-gratification in all that they do. People will do drugs and drink alcohol. Why? Because they like it. People will go and have sex with whoever they want. Why? Because it makes them feel good. People in this world will turn around and choose their own lifestyle because it makes them feel good. They may even choose their own gender because this is what makes me feel good. It's all about this, I feel good, it's me, myself, and I, and I don't care how you feel as long as I feel good. And it's that self-gratification of, if I don't feel good, ain't no one going to feel good. Because I'm going to make everyone around me miserable. And, and we all see that in the world today. You get someone who is not happy with the circumstances in their life, it's automatically everyone else's fault. They're automatically going to point the finger and say, it's your fault that I'm not happy. But yet the only thing in life that can make us happy, truly happy, is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because when we're chasing the world and trying to chase what the world says is what we should believe, it brings nothing but misery. We're going after chasing all this stuff, and if you think you're going to make yourself happy, you're sadly mistaken. Because we all mess up. We all do these things that we ourselves don't even like. You know, like I said, people will go out and drink and do drugs because it makes them feel good. But generally, after you've been drinking all night, do you really feel good the next morning? No. You're waking up thinking, man, I shouldn't have done that last night. And then you kind of drag through the day, and then what happens that night? You go out and you do it again. Well, think about someone just looking for that next fix. Hey, I need this fix because it, it makes me feel good. Well, it only makes them feel good for so long. It's that instant gratification. That's what this life gives us now. Anything you want, Siri. Siri will give you an answer. You can get it on Google. You can get on Amazon and have something delivered this afternoon today. It's that instant gratification, self-gratification life that we have. But then you think about it, but we're Christians. We should be different than the world, right? We should be different than the world, right? But what about them Christians who actually act like the world? And you're going to say, well, they're really not Christians. Well, wait a minute. What about how we judge others? We, we, we judge others, and, and as Christians, we'll be like, oh, you know what their sin is? We will point out someone else's sin to make our sin not look as bad. 
We'll talk about someone else and we'll talk about another religion or another denomination to kind of make us feel better. So we ain't any different than the world because we're still trying to have self-gratification. Oh, well, my sin isn't as bad as Kathy's sin. Oh, well, my sin is definitely ain't as bad as John's sin. Keep working. I know I got to keep working at it to get better. Yeah. Oh, but, but wait a minute. I, I know because, you know, I've trusted Jesus and I do all of this for the church and I do this and that. I'm better than that person. And we as Christians do that. And you may be sitting there going, oh, pastor, why are you getting in my junk this morning? Well, don't worry. You're not the only one who does it. Every one of us does. Every one of us has that self-gratification that we want to feel good. And unfortunately, we will belittle or do things to other people to make ourselves feel good. And sometimes it may come off as a joke. Oh, I was just joking. Were you really? Because a lot of times we will say, oh, I was just joking. But inside, now you're feeling bad because you hurt someone's feelings because it really wasn't a joke. I think we need to truly understand what it means. And, and pastor, author, and theologian Tim Keller actually said this. Even in this world, it is clear that self-centeredness rather than God-centeredness makes you miserable and blind. The more self-centered, self-absorbed, self-pitying, and self-justifying people are, the more breakdowns occur relationally, psychologically, and even physically. They also go deeper into denial about the source of their problems. On the other hand, a soul that has decided to center its life on God and His glory moves toward increasing joy and holiness. When we're all about ourselves, we're thinking we're feeling good. But it only leads to misery. It only leads to destruction. It leads us to really not be happy at all. And then what do we do? We try and do other things to get happier and happier. And we try and continue this self-gratification mode instead of if we would just give up, stop, and give our life to Christ and do what he calls us to do and seek him first, it'd be so much easier. We'd have much more happier life than trying to keep up with the Joneses. And unfortunately, that's what many of us do, even as Christians. And understand that when God is not guiding, directing, and leading us where he wants us to be, we're going to struggle. Because we're going to not feel like we're in the right place because we're not doing what he's called us to do. Now, now the second thing Jesus tells us to do is take up our cross. Now, you think about taking up our cross when he said this. It had to be puzzling to the people who were hearing because they knew exactly what the cross was. It was an instrument of death. And at the same time, whoever was carrying the cross was actually showing their submission to the person who was in charge. So as Jesus had to carry his cross and as the criminals carried the cross, it showed who was in charge. It showed the Romans, the guards who were actually in charge of the situation. And, and I think what Jesus is telling us here is that by denying ourselves and picking up his cross, we're showing that we're getting rid of the lordship we have over our own life and allowing him to be the Lord of our life by showing that we are giving it up to him and that he actually has the authority in our life instead of us having our own. 
You know, so the first question was, what must I or we do to follow Jesus? I think the second question, the second question actually has two parts to it. What are the consequences of choosing Christ, and what are the consequences of rejecting Christ? So Jesus, I think, does a play on words here. In uh, verse 35, he says, For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me and the gospel will save it. You know, so I think he's playing on this the words here, because in order to save our life, we got to lose our life. And I mean, I think it means that we have to give up the worldly for the eternal. We, we have to give up what's in this world, what we see, what we can touch, and, and give it up for what's in eternity. Because all this will perish, all this will dis- be gone. So we need to focus more on the eternal than what we have. And ultimately what that means is we need to give up control. Because we're trying to control what happens here. And understand that he controls what happens in eternity. And in order to continue to make that move, we need to give it up. Give up that control. Give up that self-gratifying life that we have. And just do what he called us to do. Remember at the beginning, I said to follow Christ is an all-in or nothing deal. And understand, it's an all-in-or-nothing deal. You may be able to fake it with your friends. You may be able to fake it with your family. You may even be able to fake it with some other people in church. Because we can act like we're a Christian, and we can say we're a Christian, and we can put on this facade of who we are as a Christian when we're around other people. But God knows. And even in in Romans chapter 8, verses 16 and 17, it actually says this. The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. And if children also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. A relationship with Jesus is not a fake it till you make it kind of relationship. It's either you're doing it or you're not. Either denying yourself, picking up your cross and following him on a daily basis, doing what he called you to do, or you're not. Understand, losing your life for the sake, uh, for his sake, is the only way that we're truly going to find him. It's the only way that we're truly going to get to know him and what his will is. But we've got to be able to die to ourselves in order to move on. And understand, if if we lose it for his purposes, we know we're going to be within his will. We're going to be doing what God called us to do. We're going to be more worried about what he's calling us to do than what what we want to do or what the world is telling us to do. Because what God's word says and what the world says are two different things, two totally different lifestyles. But we need to be obedient to what he calls us to do. And let me tell you, it may be scary. It may be scary giving up control, giving that lordship to the Lord. Because we have this pseudo-lordship over ourselves where we kind of, I'm in charge of my own destiny. I get to pick what I do today. And for all the married men, we think we have this lordship over ourselves, even though we know our wives really do. 
But even in life itself, you know, we, we try and go through thinking that we're in charge, but most of us have a boss that tells us what to do. So, so everything we do, we try and say we got lordship and we're our own person and we're going to do what we say we want to do, but we follow the directions of everyone in our life. Why not follow the directions of him? Follow the directions of what his word says and actually do it and live your life that way. <clears throat> you know, biblically, you got to remember, we as humans, we've met a, we have made a mess of trying to do what the Lord calls us to do ourselves. We've literally made a mess of it. And Patty brought this up on Wednesday night. We had an old pastor who used to say this. This much of the Bible is what we got right. That much. That much of the Bible is what we got right. From right here in the Bible, the fall of man, to here, we've been trying to get back right. We do the same thing in our life. This little bit of what we do is right. All the rest of it is us trying to do what's right. And us trying to get back into that right relationship with Jesus and doing what he calls us to do. And I think we need to understand that, you know, we're going to try, we are going to fail. But there's also consequences to just dead out denying it. Dead out saying, I'm not going to follow Jesus. I'm not going to pick up my cross. I'm not going to deny myself. And in verses 36 through 38, it says this. For what does it benefit someone to gain the whole world and yet lose his soul? What can anyone give in exchange for his life? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father when the holy, with the holy angels. And, and these rhetorical questions that Jesus asks, in other words, what in, is in this world that has more value than eternity? And there is nothing. And I actually like the way the message put this scripture. Uh, it really, like you want to talk about hitting you at home, it said this, what good would it do to get everything you want and lose you, the real you, what could you ever trade your soul for? If any one of you are embarrassed over me and the way I'm leading you when you get around your fickle and unfocused friends, know that you'll be even greater, uh, an even greater embarrassment to the Son of Man when he arrives in all the splendor of God. There's a wake-up call. Your fickle friends. How do you act when you're not here in church? How do you act around your friends and your family who do not follow Jesus? Do we actually boldly proclaim that we are Christ's followers? Or do we kind of shy away? Because remember, the consequence of not doing it says, if you're ashamed of him around your fickle friends, He'll be ashamed of you when he comes in his glory. That takes you to the, what I say is the scariest scripture in the Bible. Depart from me, I do not know you. When you see Jesus face to face, and he says, depart from me, I do not know you. And then you're going to try and say, but Lord, I did all this in your name. Depart from me, I do not know you. If we're ashamed of him in this world, he will be ashamed of us 
when he arrives in his glory. So the answer is simple. There is nothing in this world that you should give up the real you for. There is nothing in this world that you should give up that you should give up him for. Everything here will pass away. Everything here will be gone in a second, in a flash. But we will choose what is here instead of choosing him. Instead of doing what he's called us to do 24-7, we'll do what he's called us for two hours a week, maybe three. There's nothing worth losing the real you for. Having gained the world, that person irrevocably loses their eternal life with God. Think about that. If you choose the world, you choose eternity away from God. And there's a lot of people who don't believe that. There's a lot of people in churches that don't preach heaven and hell is real. Hell is a real place and there are people who are going to spend eternity there. They're going to be spend eternity not in the presence of God because of the way they chose or did not choose to follow him. And we got to understand that Jesus paid this all already. Jesus paid for your life. He paid for you to have eternity with the Father. He gives us his free gift, but all we got to do is accept it. And that's the problem. It's that acceptance of a free gift. He willingly went to a cross for you. He was honoring the will of his Father. And even when he had doubts in the garden, if there is another way, take this cup from me. But he followed it with, your will be done. How many times in our life do we have to actually, Lord, may your will be done? And for some of us, we're afraid to say that because we really don't want his will to be done because it means that we would have to do what? Give up control. We would have to give up control, give up what we want in our life in order to do what he's called us to do. But it's something we have to do. And, and I honestly, as much as I talk, you know, saying here, the fear of control, <coughs> I think the biggest fear of every Christian, to be quite honest, is to be out of the will of God. Think about that, to be out of the will of God. And, and I can tell you, there was a time in ministry when I was outside of the will of God. And you may say, but wait, Pastor, you said you were doing ministry. Yes, I was doing ministry outside the will of God. And what I mean by that is, is I was in a place where I thought I should be, I thought I wanted to be, and, and this is where the Lord called me. And guess what? He wasn't the one who called me there. I, I kind of called myself there. And, and I was doing ministry, and, and it was hard. It was hard. It was frustrating. It just, it, and I knew I was outside his will. But I didn't want to give up control because I enjoyed what I was doing. I was like, I really like this, and, and I'm really good at this, and, and it may be hard, and it may be frustrating, and, and I know God probably wants me to do this ministry, but I'm at least doing ministry. And I was outside the will of God. And, and understand, ministry, everything in ministry is a good thing. Whether you're, whatever you do in ministry, if you're serving, if you're, you know, handing out bulletins, if you're perform, if you're playing music, if you're, if you're behind the scenes doing accounting, everything in ministry is good, 
Listen closely, though. You can't do it all. You cannot do it all. And there's going to be a season when God has you doing something, and then he's going to tell you it's time to stop doing it. But see, that's where that control and that fear of giving up control comes in. Because, But this is my ministry, and I've been doing this ministry for 30 years. And I know it's frustrating. I know I don't have time to do it. And, and I know it just gets my heart rate up, but, but, but this is what I do. There may be a time in ministry when God tells you you're done here and you need to move on because he has something better for you to do. Well, he has something other for you to do. Because like I said, everything in ministry is a good thing. The problem is you can't do it all. If you try and do everything, you're going to burn yourself out and you're not going to really accomplish anything. And listen to this. You saying no gives someone else the ability to say yes. Think about that. You saying no, no, I'm not going to do this, it gives someone else that ability to say yes and actually do that ministry. Give someone else a chance. Give up control for once in your life and give someone else a chance. Guess what? They may not do it like you do it, but maybe it's time God wants it done in a different way. Maybe it's time that you take someone under your wing, just like the Apostle Paul did for Timothy, and train them up so, hey, I, I'm going to give up control, and at least I'm going to train them the way I did it. So you can at least have, okay, well, I got a little control. I taught them how to do it my way. But there comes a time when you have to say no and let somebody else say yes. We're every place we are for a season. But we got to understand that it's not, we, we need to get over that fear of giving up that control. Be a person who's not afraid to move. Be ready to move for God. God is moving all over the place. And a lot of us are missing the movement of God because we won't let go of something we're trying to control. But meanwhile, God's trying to continue to move. And understand that if we don't make that move, someone else is going to. God's going to use someone to fulfill his will. Would you rather be holding on to something so tightly that he doesn't use you or being willing to let go and be used by God in another way? Be obedient and it's time, time to let it go. Let go and understand that he does have a better plan. And ultimately, it comes down to who's the center of your life. Is it you or is it God? Who's truly at the center of your life? Who are you living for? Are you actually picking up your cross daily or, and are you actually denying yourself? Or are you living in fear of what he might ask you to do? Are you living in fear of I might have to get out of my comfort zone? Oh, but, but I'm good at doing this, and God might make me go talk to somebody. The Lord may make me pick up and move, and, and I don't want to do that. You know, we all have these fears as what if, or I don't want to, and when it, you get back to it, it all turns back to me. 
Do I want to do what God calls me to do? Do you want to honestly do what the Lord is calling you to do? Or do you just want to hold on and not go anywhere? What we do in life matters. It's a matter of life or death, what we do. And when I mean life or death, I'm not talking physically. I'm talking eternal life. There's choices that we make. And recently I read this article by Heidi Baker. She's a missionary in Mozambique. So she's faced all these different life-threatening situations, but yet she continued to go to these remote villages and share the gospel. And she actually said this, Like Jesus, I can give myself away fearlessly because of who God is. I have come to understand that my identity is not found in what I do, but who I am in Christ. Because I know this truth, I can say yes to him always and everywhere. So what could your yes to God look like? What could our yes as a church to God look like? What if we as a church actually did what his word calls us to do? What if we actually denied ourselves? What if we actually took up his cross? What if we actually followed him? Not just be a fan of his, but actually follow him. And what if we lose our life for him? What would we as a church look like? I think we would look a whole lot different than what we look like today. But then the question comes up is, what changes would you have to make? What would you have to give up control of? What would you have to do different when you left here today to truly do what the Lord calls you to do and to truly give up yourself to follow him? What would it look like? Not only is Jesus the only one who can deliver us from the scariest things on this earth, can save us from our sins, save us from death, save us from Satan, he can also deliver us from ourselves. Think about that. He can deliver you from yourself. Some of us are very toxic in our life. He can deliver us from that toxicness in our life. And though Jesus, uh, who became, through Jesus, we can become that outward-focused person. And if we as individuals became outward-focused and became effective in, in leading people to know who Jesus was, imagine if we as a church did that. Imagine if the global church of Jesus Christ actually was outward focused instead of inward focused. Instead of being focused on what this domination, denomination does, we're focused on, well, it's, it's about these four walls inside this church. It's not. If we as the body of Christ, as individuals, and then as the body of Christ, actually were outward focused, a lot of what's going on in the world today you wouldn't see. Because instead of being quiet for the last 20, 30 years, we would have let our voice be heard. Now we speak up and we're racist. Now we speak up and we're, oh, you believe in conspiracies. Now we speak up and we're homophobic or whatever else you want to call it. All we're doing is speaking up on what this says. And if we're followers of Jesus Christ, this is what we follow. We follow his word, we believe his word, and we do what his word calls us to do. And I really don't care what the world wants to label me. 
What counts is when it's said and done, he tells me, good, welcome, good and faithful servant. That's what I want to hear. I don't care what the world says about me. I don't care what anyone else says about me. I care about what he cares about. And that should be our focus. That should be what we look to as we go through this life. And I want to encourage you, Dave, you're sitting here and you're kind of like, man, pastor, did you like put a microphone in my house? Have you been watching me? Well, trust me, that's not me. That's the Holy Spirit. And that's that Holy Spirit coming into you and, and telling you, hey, 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 guess what? This is you. Well, maybe that means today is the day that you got to make that move. Today's that day that you got to say, hey, you know what? I need to stop being a fan of Jesus, and I need to be a follower of Jesus. I, I need to not make him a hobby, but make him the Lord over my life. I, I need to actually do what his word calls me to do, and, and I need to start denying myself. I, I need to start picking up his cross, and I truly need to follow him. And, and maybe you're sitting here and saying, well, pastor, I haven't got to that point yet because I haven't accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and, and, and pastor, you don't know me. Man, you don't know what I've done in my life. You don't know what I did. I may be hungover right now. Pastor, you don't know this sin in my life. And you know what? You're absolutely right. I don't. But he does. And, and according to his word, he says, we're all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God. So we all sin, even me, everyone in this room's a sinner. So you're among great company. But yet God loved us so much that he sent his only son to die on the cross for us. That's love. He did that knowing your sin. Not only the sin of your past, but the sin of your future. And God's word says that if you confess with the mouth, with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's the starting point. That's where it begins. Now, of course, when you leave here, everything's going to be the same. Your family's going to be the same family you left before you came here a couple hours ago. Your friends are going to be the same ones. The same ones you may have been in the bar with or on the corner shooting up with or whatever it may have been. The whatever sin it is in your life, it's still going to be there. The difference is going to be you. And if you allow the Lord to start transforming your life and, and you start seeking him each and every day, you will start to see the sin that was in your life. You will start to see the others in your life. And as you start to deny yourself and follow him, you will be the change. And then you can affect that change in your environment and in the people around you. But it's up to you to make that move. And for those who have been following Christ for a while, have you really been following? Or have you just been a fan or has he been a hobby? Think about it. Has he been a fan or a hobby in your life or are you truly denying yourself and following him? So maybe during this final prayer and final song, 
you just need to come up, or you can do it where you're at, or come up here to the altar, and Lord, I, I'm sorry I've been a fan, not a follower. Lord, you've been a hobby, and you're a, a summertime. Summertime I think about you, summertime I don't. Come up here and truly say, today's the day that I'm truly going to follow Jesus. I'm going to deny myself. I'm going to pick up his cross, and I'm going to do what he calls me to do. Forget self and be a follower of him. Amen? Heavenly Father, as we come to you today, Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for everything you do in our life. And, and Lord, you know, through this whole series, we've talked about fears and there's no way we could touch every fear that people have. <clears throat> but Lord, be with us and show us what fear we may have. Because Lord, we know fear does not come from you. Fear comes from Satan. Fear comes from the pits of hell. Lord, we should have no fear in his life because we know where we're going to spend eternity. We know where we're going to spend eternity with you. But Lord, for some people here, they, they <clears throat> play that game. They play Christian. They're a fan of yours. They're not followers. So Lord, if there's anyone in this room that, that has been just having you as a hobby or a fan, Lord, have the Holy Spirit touch them and convict them that they will truly become a follower, that they will pick up your cross daily and that they will follow you and deny themselves. And Lord, if there's anyone in this room or that is joining us for church online that does not know you, that they understand that today is the day of salvation and that they come to have a personal relationship with you. And Lord, may we just continue to seek you in all that we do. May we seek to glorify you. And Lord, I ask that you use all of us in a mighty way. Lord, that you will speak to us, that you will speak through us, and that we will be the change in this world instead of the world changing us. And Lord, make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us here today at FBC Lantana for Church Online. And, and, and if, if you enjoyed what you saw today, I'd just like to ask you to Go ahead, go to our website and, and help support this ministry as we try and outreach and reach the lost for Jesus Christ. And you can just go to our website, fbclantana.com slash give, um, and you can make an online donation right there. Again, I encourage you to get connected to a local church, and especially if during this message you felt compelled to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, definitely go tell somebody. Let someone know because that is the greatest decision you could ever make in your life. And, and from there, get connected to a local church. Hey, we would love to provide you with some resources with that. You can go to our website, fbclantana.com, and on the very front page, you say, give my life to Jesus. Click on there, and at the bottom of there, there's some links and some good information for you. And just wanted to say, welcome to the family.